friends, welcome to the Sunday Sermon segment of We Need God. Please listen as Father Carrozza offers his homily for today, which was recorded live in St. Anne's Parish. We are indeed living in extraordinary times, and certainly not just because of the coronavirus that since March we haven't been able to gather publicly for Mass. But even without the virus, we're living in extraordinary times, and extraordinary in the negative sense. Because in our Western world, this is the first time in recorded history that a majority of people do not worship any god on a regular basis. Ever since history has been recorded, people have worshipped whatever they believed God to be, whether it was many gods or the one true God. A majority of people worshipped the gods. But now, especially among our young people, people see no need, no need rather for formal worship of God. And all sorts of surveys and writings and discussions have gone on to try to uh, settle this problem and say, why is it that our young people are fleeing from God? The first thing they point out is that our young people don't seem to think we need God. And so you know, we can make happiness and peace on our own. Well, just look at the news. Is it happening? Obviously not. I think it's time for us to admit that trying to live life without God has been a colossal failure. And we need to return and admit we don't know how to make peace on our own. Lord, we need your laws. We need you to guide us. But again, a lot of people have written and asked, what can we do to help people return to the Lord? And of course, it's not just we as Catholics. In fact, we're doing better than other denominations of Christianity and other religions. Across the board, Christians, Jews, Muslims, the young people just don't see any need to worship God, and even many of the older people as well. I believe we have a leg up on everybody else, that we have the key that would not only lead people back to church, but would make them flock to church if they only truly understood it. And that is what we celebrate here at Mass every Sunday and what today's feast specifically looks at. And that is Corpus Christi, the body and blood of Christ. That when we come to Mass, we are not just receiving a piece of bread, but rather at the Mass when the priest who has been ordained by Christ says the words of Jesus at the Last Supper over a piece of bread and again over a cup of wine. Take this, all of you, and eat of it, for this is my body which has been given up for you, that the Lord miraculously changes the bread and wine into his body and blood, even though they still have the appearance of bread and wine. We know they are now his actual body and blood. If people truly understood what was happening there, I am convinced they would flock to church because they would want to receive the Eucharist more than life itself. But unfortunately, and probably connected with the exodus of people from church, studies show that a majority of Catholics, sadly recently even a majority of church-going Catholics, do not believe that Jesus is truly present in the Eucharist. Now, I hope that they deliberately asked the question in a leading way to get the answer they wanted, which is a very... Uh, easy thing for somebody who's looking for an answer like that to do. Because I don't for one moment believe that the majority of people who come to Mass here at St. Anne's on Sunday do not believe that what we're receiving is actually the body and blood of Jesus. But I do ask you to ask yourself, do you believe 
when we come to receive the Eucharist, will you be actually receiving God himself in your hand and in your mouth that the Eucharist, the host that you receive, that we could adore, we could prostrate before it while we incense it and genuflect before it and treat the Eucharist with such reverence because it truly is the flesh and blood of Jesus? Or do you believe it's merely a symbol of the Lord? A reminder of what he did the night before he died. One of our contemporary Catholic theologians, Alice von Hildebrand, was once talking with a few of her Catholic friends, and the Eucharist came up in discussion, and one of them said something about, said that the Eucharist is a beautiful symbol or something to those effects. And Alice von Hildebrand responded, if the Eucharist is only a symbol, to hell with it. And it may sound like strong words, but I repeat them. If the Eucharist is only a symbol, to hell with it. If what we're receiving is just a piece of bread that reminds us that Jesus, the night before he died, had dinner with his apostles, what do we need it for? What purpose does it serve? What reason would there be for us to come into church and receive a piece of bread here just remembering Jesus' meal before he died? If it's not actually his body and blood, then I say along with Alice von Hildebrand, to hell with it. We don't need it. Oh, but the Eucharist is far more than merely a symbol of what Jesus did the night before he died. No, the Eucharist truly is the absolute, the actual flesh and blood of Jesus. We are about to receive him body, soul, and divinity. We are about to take God in our hands and receive the Eucharist, become one with him. And in doing that, we become part of Christ. He enters into us. We know that we're made of the food we eat. So now here is a situation where we actually become the food we consume. God himself, in the form of bread and wine, he gave us the Eucharist uh, as he changed bread and wine into his body and blood. He didn't change it into the physical appearance of flesh and blood because that would be grotesque for us to eat. He left the appearance of bread and wine so that we could have his body and blood in a palatable form so that we could easily consume him and he could enter us and now we are made of the very flesh and blood of Jesus. We are part of his body and the church in the world continues to be his continuous presence. We are Christ in the world and each and every one of us is now united with Christ whenever we worthily receive the Eucharist in his suffering, death, resurrection, and his glory in heaven. And that is an awesome gift he gives to us. I often ask people who uh, do not believe in the real presence of Jesus in the Eucharist what Jesus did the night before he died. I have never heard anybody deny to me that at the Last Supper, Jesus turned bread and wine into his flesh and blood as food for the apostles. But they don't believe that now when we gather at Mass, we repeat that. Well, I ask them, why not? Why would Jesus have done that the night before? What did he do for the apostles? And they usually don't have an answer for that. The answer is that he gave them his flesh and blood, just as I have said, so that the next day when he went through his passion, when he was suffering, when he was scourged, when he was nailed to the cross, when he was buried in the tomb, and most importantly, when he was risen again, they would be with him as cells on his body. He did that to bring them with him to the cross with all of their sins to have them killed there. 
But he didn't just do that for the apostles the night before he died. Notice the day he rose from the dead. The two disciples on the road to Emmaus, when Jesus met with them and sat down with dinner, he took bread, blessed it, broke it, and gave it to them. And with that, their eyes were opened. They recognized him. He vanished from their sight. But they returned, ran the seven miles to Jerusalem, and told the apostles that they had come to know Jesus in the breaking of the bread. And that was no accident that St. Luke used those words because the Lord was reminding them, every time you come to, uh, to Mass and break the bread in my memory, you will be repeating what I did with the apostles the night before he died. So it was a reminder to the apostles, what happened at the Last Supper will continue. And we know it did. And St. Paul, in our second reading today from the first letter to the Corinthians, chapter 10, he says to us very clearly, the bread that we break, is it not a participation in the body of Christ? And the cup that we share, is it not a sharing in the blood of Christ? So it was obvious that the early church firmly believed that what we were receiving truly is the flesh and blood of Jesus. And when Jesus, at the Last Supper, told the apostles, do this in remembrance of me, Maybe the problem is our English word remembrance, that we think of that as just to call to mind, to remember. But the Greek word that was used there is anamnesis, which means a lot more. Jesus, in saying, do this in anamnesis of me, the word anamnesis says, do this whenever you do it to make what I'm doing now forever present for you. So do this whenever you do it to make my Last Supper, my suffering, death, and resurrection, my Paschal mystery forever present. And that's what we do at each and every Mass, every Sunday, many of us, every day of our lives when we come to receive the Eucharist. Do we realize that? The gift that Jesus has given us, that every time we come to Mass, his suffering, death, and resurrection is made truly present to us. Not that Jesus is being crucified again somewhere, as some of our critics misunderstand. No, Jesus died once for all on the cross, and he gave us the one sacrifice for, of all time for sin. That's why we don't sacrifice animals anymore, as they did up till Jesus' time. We have no need to do that because Jesus himself offered himself as the perfect animal sacrifice, as the human sacrifice. Do we not call him the Paschal Lamb, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world? No, Jesus did that sacrifice for sin once for all, and we participate in it perpetually. The Mass makes what Jesus did 2,000 years ago, forever present to us. I like to think of it as he set up a power strip with many different places that we can plug in, just as we all have in our homes. And imagine a power strip that the Lord has set up throughout time that every time we come into church, we can plug in and receive the power of Jesus' suffering, death, and resurrection. That the Mass makes his Paschal mystery forever present to us. Do we realize the awesome beauty of what takes place, that the Lord could have said to us to offer the sacrifice on our own. Any one of you who has sinned, well, you want to come into heaven, offer the sacrifice, and then you can enter my kingdom. But he didn't do that. You've heard me say before that a lot of people complain the Lord is not fair. And I say, you're right, the Lord is not fair. And I'm very glad he's not fair. Because if God is fair... I'm in an awful lot of trouble, and so are you. 
Because the second person of the Trinity, after original sin, when the Father asked him to take on flesh and dwell in our world and offer the sacrifice for sin that you and I owed to him, he could have said, wait a minute, that's not fair. I didn't commit sin. They sinned against me. Why should I have to take on flesh and dwell in their world and offer the sacrifice that they should be offering to me for, uh, for their sins? No, that's not fair. Any one of them who wants to come into our kingdom, they did the crime, then let them do the time. Any one of them who is willing to break his body and spill his blood, we'll let them into our kingdom if they offer the sacrifice that frees them from their sins. And would that have been fair? Absolutely. Who could say otherwise? But the Lord said, no, I love them too much to see them go through that pain. I will not make them offer their lives to us. I will offer it, Father, to you, and I will give them my body and blood as food to unite them with me as I offer myself to you for their sins. That indeed is awesome. That is radical. And whatever colloquial terms or cliches that young people have used throughout the centuries to describe that, that's what it is. It's fat, it's rad, it's groovy, it's cool, whatever you want to call it. Whatever words are used today, think about it. That is totally awesome, amazing, mind-blowing, jaw-dropping, that when we come to church, we are allowed to participate with Christ in the Eucharist as he offered himself to the Father in his sacrifice on the cross. And if we truly understood that, if people in the world out there truly understood what is happening here, I'm convinced they would flock to church. And we would not have room in the largest church buildings to hold all the people that would come and would want to be part of Christ as he offers himself to the Father for the forgiveness of our sins. That is what we need to bring to the world. Normally, if we weren't in a coronavirus situation today, after the noon mass today, we would have our procession of the Eucharist throughout the streets of our parish, which we can't do this year, but we will pick up again on next year. But in the meantime, you and I are called to go out and bear witness to, the, to Christ to the world, to help all the world realize the precious gift that Christ has given us, that when we've sinned and lost our place in heaven, we don't have to offer our own lives to the Father. Christ has already done it. We need merely come here and and worship him Sunday after Sunday, and worthily receive him in Holy Communion, and our sins are forgiven, and we are restored to the dignity that is ours, that is now waiting for us in the glory of heaven. That is an awesome, tremendous gift from God. And when we see that, when people say, what has God ever done for me? My answer to them would say, what more does God have to do for you until we believe in him? What could be greater than to offer the sacrifice that you and I should have done for our sins to bring us into his kingdom. And so we should hunger and thirst to receive the Eucharist more than life itself. And if we are not in full understanding of that, we never will be actually on earth. There's no way we can completely understand the awesome dignity of this gift of the Eucharist. But what we can't see through our senses, that we don't look at the Eucharist and see that it's actually the body and blood of the Lord, we believe by faith because we know the Lord has revealed it to us and he has told us that this is true. And it is an awesome gift that St. John Vianney, the patron saint of parish priests, once said, if any priest truly understood what was happening at his hands when he celebrated the Mass, he would die of fright in thought of what he was handling. 
And indeed, if any one of us truly understood the awesome mystery of this precious gift of the Eucharist, I think we too would die of fright at the awesome thought of what we are handling. And when hopefully we die and go to heaven and the Lord tells us what we were privileged to receive, we will say, wow, I had no idea that was this awesome gift that we have in the Eucharist. And so, my brothers and sisters, today on this great solemnity of Corpus Christi, the body and blood of Christ, let us ask the Lord to help us to grow in our understanding of this awesome gift of the Eucharist, that we will realize it truly is Jesus Christ, body, soul, and divinity, that we are receiving his flesh and drinking his blood, as he tells us in the gospel, that without that, if we do not eat his flesh and do not drink his blood, we have no life within us, but he who eats his flesh and drinks his blood has eternal life and we are called to glory with him in his kingdom and he will raise us up on the last day to share in the glory that he now shares with his father in the glory that he won at his resurrection and his ascension into his kingdom. Ave verum corpus Christi, natum ex Maria Virgine. Hail, true body of Christ, born of the Virgin Mary. Be for us here on earth a foretaste of the paschal feast of heaven. May Jesus Christ be praised, now and forever. Thank you for listening to this week's homily by Father Carrozza. If you enjoyed this homily, please pass the word on to your friends and invite them to listen. For more materials from Father Carrozza, please visit www.fathercarrozza.com.